living in thankfulness of right here. Right? Because I've said this many times, but when we live in expectation, we cannot live in thankfulness. Because if we're constantly waiting for that next thing, then we're constantly causing ourselves fear. We're constantly causing ourselves anxiety. And we never learn to be content with what God has placed around us. Can you all feel that for just a second? Think about it. You have a car. But you can't wait until you get that new car. You have an iPhone 11. Well, the 12's coming out. You can't wait until you get that. Suddenly, your iPhone 11 is no good anymore. You'll be like, well, that camera's better. And you'll be like, my battery dies faster now. You'll be like, I lost my charger. I need to buy a new phone. (laughs) See, you begin to expect that, and then you're not thankful for what you have anymore. It can be with your friends. You're like, these guys are okay, but have you seen those guys? They're a lot cooler than these guys. Going to go hang out with them. Can happen in your marriage. You can be like, man, I've been with this woman or I've been with this man for like three, four years now, five, six, seven years now, and they're getting kind of boring. I feel like I know everything about them. And there's this lady at work who's really nice to me, or there's this man at work who's really nice to me. They're interesting. And you start to live in the expectation of what could be. And you forget about what God has given you. You you forget to be thankful for what God has given you. And so I don't want us to live in expectation of what could be. I want us to live in the thankfulness of what God has given us. While understanding that God has amazing things in store for us. Shouldn't forget about those promises. But we should live where we're at. And so, as I say that, I want you guys to understand, whatever happens, God has us covered as a church. Whatever happens, God will continue to move and is moving. But I want to show you guys something in Scripture real quick. If you turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 6. I lied, it's 2 Kings chapter 6. I've been struggling with that all week. Like I'm like, it's First Kings, and it got, it's like, no, it's Second Kings. Because if you read First Kings chapter six, you're gonna be like, what the world? But Second Kings chapter six, starting in verse one. Everybody there? Everybody there? Okay, I can ask that today because they're so. We have a small crowd today. Everybody can literally answer me. So, except you guys all better be on Facebook, by the way. I don't want to go back there and see three people watching when 78 people are gone. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, The company of prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where we can each get a pole. And let us build a place for us to meet. And then he said, Go then. One of them said, Won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied. And he went with them. They went to the Jordan and they began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down the tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh no, my lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick and threw it in there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. So it's super interesting. This week I was uh, going to 2 Kings chapter 4. And I'm going to go there in just a moment because we took, we're taking just a little bit of a side tour right here from our Roman series. But this is perfect for our Roman series because it's going to show some unity. But I was looking for 2 Kings chapter 4 and I flipped on 2 Kings chapter 6. And I was like, and I don't believe in this, like just flip the Bible open and all oh, this must be God speaking to me. That doesn't always happen. 
But this week, sometimes it does happen, and this week it happened. Because I've been in a kind of a, like, a quarrel with my spirit and flesh this week. Because I want things that God hasn't given me yet. I want things that God hasn't given us as a church yet. And so I flipped my Bible to this, and it was so cool because it says that the company of prophets, the company of prophets came to Elijah and he said, our space is too small. And what does the company of prophets say? Let us go to the Jordan and get some poles. Let us go to the Jordan and get some poles. And the company of prophets say to Elijah, will you come with us? And he says, I will. And they go and they start to cut down these trees to build a place for them to meet. And I'm not saying we need to build a place for us to meet. I'm saying the teamwork right here that you need has displayed is something that brings my heart joy. Because a lot of times as people, as humans like me, I can look at all the problems, but I never bring solutions. I can be like, well, God, here's my problem. Will you take care of it? Or I can be like, God, I'm so sick of this. or I'm so tired of this, but I just let it fester inside of me. See, the company of prophets, they didn't let it fester. They saw a problem. What did they do? They came up with a solution. But they didn't do it alone. Because no matter how awesome your pastors are, no matter how great of a staff we have, no no matter any of those things, until the church comes together, we can't accomplish the solution that God has called us to with the problem. And so we have to understand that when we come together as a church body, and not just, Barry came up to me a little bit ago and he was like, there's a few people here I know, but he says, I see thousands worshiping. I see thousands worshiping because it's just not us. We're not the only church. We're not the only church in Spartanburg. We're not the only church in the world. So today on this Lord's Day, the day of the week where we come and we worship God together corporately, because we should be worshiping God every day of the week. But when we come together corporately to worship God, we are with millions of believers worshiping and praising the God who never fails us. And so in the midst of that, when I read 2 Kings chapter 6, it just makes me excited. Because it's saying when the body comes together, there's no problem that ain't got a solution. Wow. You might have some problems in your life right now. Let me tell you one thing. You've got a solution. You just haven't found it yet because you haven't asked the right person. Your solution's not going to come from your best friend all the time. Your solution's not going to come from your mommy and daddy. Sometimes you got to go to your father for your solution. All the time you got to go to your father for your solution. Your solution's not always going to come from your therapist or your counselor. And I'm the biggest proponent of counseling you've ever met. But I promise you it's not always going to come from him. Sometimes it's going to come from the king of kings. All the time it's going to come from the king of kings. We just try to ask what is the answer to my problem to everybody who's not him. Because we're not willing to put in the work when he tells us the solution. This is true in my own life. When i got to work through my past to figure out why I react to the things the way that I do, when I have to go through the trauma that I've been through, God always shows that it's going to be a hard and a rocky road. And sometimes I'll say, well, I'll just stay in the darkness because the light hurts a little bit too much. John 1 says that the darkness has not understood the light. Have you guys ever been in your bed and it's completely dark? you got the blinds pulled. It's nice and it's cool in there. You're wrapped up and you feel warm. And then the sun starts to come through and it gets in your eyes. And you're like, no. No. 
It's got to be 2.30 a.m. But it's 7 a.m. and the sun's coming through and it's hitting you in the face and you're like, oh no, Lord, please let it only be 2.30 when I look at this phone. And you look at it at 7 and you're like, just a few more minutes. Just a few more minutes, right? And then you hit that snooze button or whatever the case may be, you pull the curtains a little bit tighter. Then the sun starts to come in a little bit more and you can't, you can't stop it at this point. See, sometimes we choose darkness over light because light makes us come out of our comfort zone. Sometimes we choose darkness because darkness is what we know. See, we can't only let Christ shine on small pieces of our life. Well, Christ, you can have this. This is easy. Or Christ, you can have that. This is okay. Or Christ, I'll come to church. Or Christ, I'll do this. Or Christ, I'll serve this person. But you won't let him, let's say, in your personal life. No, Christ, you can't come in here. I'll date who I want to date. I'll make the decisions I want to make. I'll do what I want to do in my marriage. You can have this piece, but when you start to get too personal and you tell me that I need to change, I think you're overstepping your bounds, old man. Right? And you start to push away and you start to regress and you start to go further and further into the darkness because the light's just a little bit too much. See, sometimes your solution is getting out of what makes you feel good and what makes you comfortable. See, as a church, there's always going to be problems that we have. We're always going to have too few volunteers. We're always going to have not the exact kid space that we want. We're always going to have people who don't show up. We're always going to have things that we see that could be better. We're always going to have those things. But guess what? We're not here for those things. We're here for what? To worship Jesus. That's the solution to all of our problems, worship. And in worship, it's not only singing. In worship, it's not only teaching. Sometimes, all the time, worship looks like going and getting a pole from the Jordan, bringing it back and building something great. Because at the beginning of the year, I told you, I was, I was in 2 Kings when I told you this. That this would be a year of pouring out. That God had that small fist rising from the ocean when it hasn't rained in three years. And it's just rising. And it gets bigger. And it gets bigger. And then it starts to pour. And Elisha runs to tell them. And Elijah's so happy because it's pouring down the rain. And then 2020 happened. Y'all are like, okay, that didn't happen. Yes, it happened. We haven't stopped. The church hasn't stopped. The Christ hasn't stopped. No matter how many problems you see with 2020, Christ has has a solution to everyone. It's just that we're choosing to stay back here in the darkness because we don't want to handle the light. See, 2020 has caused a lot of us to store up our money. We're like, I can't give to God. I got to take care of me. That's a problem. You want to know the solution? Give it all up. Because if you got that mentality, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be broke. As a joke in 2021. Not because Christ cares about your money, but when you're unwilling to be sacrificial because you're worried that Christ can't take care of you. Ooh, that's like bitter silence. 2020 should have been the time when we give more to the mission of God because we have more reliance than we've ever had on Him before. Because if Christ can defeat a pandemic and be glorified, how much greater can He take care of your cash flow issues? I'm not even telling you to give. That's not what this message is about. But I am saying the mission of God requires sacrifice in a church to provide for the mission. So let's get up and let's go grab some poles and let's make it happen. 2020 has been rough. But God has still brought 22 new believers into this place. 
We've already baptized 22 people and we got three months left or something. I don't even know. I just got to, this is, this is awesome. I was like, God, how are we supposed to do outreach in a pandemic? People don't want me touching them. People don't want to take no snow cone from me when I got Corona all over my hands, right? What am I supposed to do? So I started praying. And then God said, buy a trailer. Turn it into a coffee trailer. I bought a trailer for a really good deal. God provided. Guess what happened to it? It got stolen. So I was like, God, okay. I'm not going to ask you why. I already know you got a bigger plan. We'll see what happens. So I called the insurance company. I was like, I know this wasn't claimed on my insurance. <laughs> and I know I never even told you I bought it. But can I claim it? And they were like, yeah, sure. And so we're working through that process. But anyway, in the midst of that, Impact Drayton is buying a coffee trailer. You know what we're going to do with that coffee trailer? Well, I just got approved for a grant this week. And we're going to take an espresso machine from Bella Latte. They're going to sell to us for a really good price. This machine costs thousands and thousands of dollars. Thousands and thousands of dollars. We will not be paying thousands and thousands of dollars for it. And they're going to sell it to us for a very cheap price. We're going to put it inside this trailer. And then we're going to have the church come along. And a lot of people up in here are baristas or know how to make coffee. And Eric, the GM at Bella, said he would come train a couple people. And we're going to roll that trailer up to schools. We're going to roll that trailer up to businesses. And we're going to give away free lattes. We're going to give away free cappuccinos. We're going to give away free whatevers. And we're going to provide for it all as a church. And we're going to love people really, really well. Because I'll tell you one thing. It takes about five minutes to make a cup of coffee. That person's not going to leave the window. They want their coffee. So we got so much opportunity to pour into people while we make their coffee. we got so much opportunity to serve the community. To love God and love other people in the community. As we give away coffee. As we roll up to a construction site. And they see that there's a free uh, coffee truck over there. And they're like, how much do I owe be like, nothing because God loves you. See, there's a problem for how we do outreach. But God gave us a solution. We do it like this. We get outside of the box. Maybe it doesn't look like handing out invites to church. Maybe it just looks like loving people in a passionate way. We did a movie night in my backyard yesterday. And Grace and Sarah Grace has done one of these too. And this is a, we, we might not be doing them at Drayton right now. Because we don't want to bring... Hundreds and hundreds of people together because Corona is a real thing. But in your backyard, when you got about 20, 25 people, it's a good time. Wasn't, well, didn't you all have a good time? I had a good time. And so it was cold. Yeah, last night was cold. Yeah, I, I lit a fire, but it was a cold time. But we can do that. We have all the equipment for that. It'll cost you nothing. So that's another way we're going to focus on outreach for the upcoming season. We're going to be giving away a lot of stuff. A car in November. Right? We're going to give away a car in November. We're going to give away gift cards for people to buy Thanksgiving meals. We're going to go into December and just like we did last year, we're going to bless the socks off three families with Christmas presents, with all those things. But here's what has to happen. We've got to pick up our poles and we've got to get busy. I've been lackadaisical in 2020. I'm not going to lie to you. I've been scared to do outreach because I'm like, God, how am I supposed to do it without getting yelled at? How am I supposed to do it without looking like a fool to you? How am I supposed to balance these things? And then God answered me. He said, love God and love others. So I might be wearing a mask when I'm doing outreach. I might have like, have you guys watched, uh, there's a movie on Netflix called Hubie Halloween or something like that? 
Some of y'all probably watch it, whatever. But he's got this thermos. It's Adam Sandler. And this thermos does like everything. I might have one of those thermoses on there being like hand sanitizing everything. Like as I shake hands, I'm putting sanitizer on, like shaking their hand with the sanitizer because the sanitizer conquering the germs. I don't, I'm not going to do that because I feel like that's not scientifically correct. But we got to do things differently. We got to get out of our comfort zone. We got to be willing to make a step forward. Because the church has not taken an effect. The church, the big C church. I talk to pastors every week and they're like, I only got 25% of my attendance. My giving's down. All this. And what are you doing about it? I'm doing Facebook Live. Facebook Live is great. Like, I'm glad you guys are here with me today. But this cannot be our outreach. Nobody cares about me preaching. I'm not that good. The Word of God is great. The Word of God is all conquering. The Word of God is all powerful. But when people be hopping on this, it's like three seconds. Okay, you didn't say something funny. I'm out of here. I thought you were Stephen Furtick. Where's the pump me up stuff? I don't got it, Facebook. Because I'm not as good as Furtick. He's a great guy. All I got is the Word of God. And a lot of people aren't interested in the Word of God until you show them how much God loves them. And so this can't be our outreach. We got to go. We got to get our poles and we got to get to work. You want to know what happens when we get to work? Turn to 2 Kings chapter 4. I preached this at the beginning of the year. Many of you don't remember because, again, I'm not that good. But I hope you remember the word of God right here. It says, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. Ooh, he didn't ask her about her credit. He didn't like, what do you owe for? What do you got that you owe money for? Ain't that what we do every time someone asks us for $5? Like, what do you need us right from the store for? What are you doing at Starbucks? I just gave you $5 last week. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for a few. Don't just ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars as each is filled. Put one to the side. She said she had a small jar. Now she's got all these other jars. She's probably looking at him and being like, okay, I'm going to pour one drop into each jar. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. Then all the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So at the end of 2 Kings chapter 6, it says that uh, axe head fell into the water as they were getting the poles. So as they were producing, as they were being called to the mission of God and fulfilling what he had called them to do, getting the work done, coming up with a solution for the problem, an axe head falls in. And an iron axe head put in water will sink because it's heavy. And he says, this is borrowed, Lord, like I got to get it. And Elijah said, hey, don't worry, he gets a stick and he throws a stick in the water and an axe head floats. 
Now the axe head is important because that was something borrowed. See, God has called us all to borrow people. Everybody here is a borrowed person. You're here on this earth temporarily waiting for God, seeking God, pursuing God. And God cares so much about you that when you start to sink, he's going to do something miraculous to rise you back to the top so that you can be seen, so that you can be saved and so that you can be fulfilled. And so the borrowed axe head comes to the top and they get the axe head. And then in 2 Kings chapter 4, there's a woman because God cares about you just as much as he does that axe head, right? She comes to him and she says, my father, I mean, my uh, husband is dead. Who was your servant? The creditors are coming for my sons. Don't let him take my sons. Don't let him take my sons. These are my sons. I don't want them sinking. And he says, what do you have? She says, I have a small thing of olive oil. He says, go and get the jars. From everybody, go and get the jars. Take them in your house and close the door. And then just pour. Just pour it out. Just pour it out. She starts to pour and all the jars are filled. And it says that the only reason the olive oil stopped pouring was because she ran out of jars. The only reason that she didn't have more is because she didn't have enough faith to get more jars. Or not enough faith, not more faith, but she didn't have faith in the one who was filling the jar. She had some faith, but she didn't think he was capable of filling all the jars. She didn't think she needed to get more jars. See, God's blessing is only capped by the amount of jars that we give him. God's blessing is only capped by the amount of uh, Worship that we bring to Him. God's pouring and God's blessing is only capped by our logical thinking. Because what happens is we don't expect as much as we can from God. We're not living in expectation. But when we're living in the midst of thankfulness, we're getting all the jars. We're bringing them before Him. We're getting all the people. We're bringing them before Him. And we said, God, there's no way that this can stop. God, I'll continue to bring. God, I'll continue to let you pour. God, I won't cap you by my own restrictions and my own logical thinking. I'll continue to bring. I'll continue to pour. It might be 2020. It might look crazy. You might be financially scared. You might not know what's going to happen. But I promise you, God isn't capping his blessing by 2020 in the pandemic. God isn't capping your marriage by 2020 in the pandemic. God isn't capping your relationship. God isn't capping your own personal growth. God isn't capping your emotional growth. God is not capping any of those things. He's just wanting you to bring it before him so that he can continue to pour, so that he can continue to restore, and so that he can continue to show you how good he is. Because when we cap God, it stops pouring. When we don't have the faith to get another jar, it stops pouring. Now the woman had all the money to pay her debtors, right? She had it all. She was ready for the debtors. She wasn't going to have anything taken away from her that was borrowed. God just doesn't want to give us what we need. I'm not talking about money. I'm not talking about cars. I'm not talking about houses. God doesn't only want to give us what we need. God wants to give us far more than we've ever thought. In emotional health. In mental health. In spiritual health. 
and joy and happiness and prosperity and all of these things. God wants to give us more. 22 new believers came into the kingdom of Christ this year. God doesn't want just 22. God wants 44. But it's capped by our ability to share the gospel with the world who's hurt and dying. A couple weeks ago, I preached on Psalm 37, the desire of our heart. God will give us the desire of your heart. What is the desire of your heart today? Is the desire of your heart Christ or is the desire of your heart self-satisfaction? Are you so caught up in the problems that you can't see the solutions brought before you by the power of Christ? Where are you at today? What's the desire of your heart? What are you thinking about right now? Do you want your next paycheck so you can pay your bills? Or do you want your next paycheck so you can buy that watch? Do you want your next car to come? Do you want your next iPhone? Do you want your next marriage? Do you want your next relationship? Do you want your next job? What do you want? Or can you join me in saying today, the only thing that I want is God. I only want what God wants. It's hard to get there. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of growth. But when you find out that the desire of your heart is God, here's how you'll know. You'll, never, you'll no longer ask God why. Because there's no reason to ask him why, because he did. There's no reason to ask him why, because you've already received. It might not have been what you were looking for, but God's sovereignty covers all situations. And what you got was better than you ever imagined. You might be in South Carolina instead of wherever else you were going. But this is your best case scenario. Because you cannot miss the will of God. You cannot miss what God has for you. I'm tired of people saying that. I read a Facebook post a couple weeks ago. And it said, I was worried about God being disappointed in me when I chose to go to this church. You can't disappoint your father. You're not that powerful. If Jesus wasn't disappointed when he was on the cross dying for you. What could you do? You can't miss what God has for you. Church, as a church, we can't miss what God has for us because we are faithful to the mission that God has called us to. But it's time to pick up the poles. We can't look at all the problems. Let's look at all the solutions. We can't look at all the issues. We can't look at everything we don't have. Let's look at all the love Christ has given us. Church, do you want to pick up the poles? Are you ready to move forward with the mission of Christ? Are you ready to get dirty? Because when you cut down trees, you're going to get your hands dirty. You're going to get splintered and you're going to get hurt. But I promise you, when you're cutting down trees, Christ is never going to say that tree's not big enough. I'm disappointed in you. God is never going to say, job not well done. God doesn't care about your production. He cares about the faith that produces production, as the book of James says. A faith without works is a dead faith. It's not because Christ wants you to work. It's because the love that he's given you should overflow into sharing the gospel, into serving people, into transforming lives. Because Christ loved us. Christ loved us. He came from heaven to die on a cross. Christ loved us, but he also did the work. He's not calling you to die on a cross. So you can do it. 
He's not calling you to give up everything like the rich young ruler. So you can do it. But can I be real with you? If you're hoarding for the Whitney season, you better start giving to the mission of God. Because at some point you're going to wake up and you're going to be like, off, oh, stored all this up. And then God's going to consume it with a fire. Churches on Facebook world, if you're out there storing up all your resources right now and not serving the community, you might want to have a heart check with Christ. We can't just store up for the winter. We can't just wait for the season to be over. Now is the season where Christ has poured out his way in such a way that everybody realizes their need. We are all in need like Taylor preached on last week. Christ's love is for all no matter who you are, no matter the color, no matter the socioeconomic standing, no matter the past, no matter the present, no matter Jew nor Gentile. Christ's love is for you. And Christ's love is bigger than being on a BBS when you were seven years old, accepting Christ and saying you're living for him. Christ's love is bigger. Christ is calling to enter into your whole life, not just a piece of it. Not just what you're willing to give. Christ wants to be in your dating relationship. Christ wants to be in your parenting. Christ wants to be in your marriage. Christ wants to be in your finances. Christ wants to be in your service. He wants to be in your small group. He wants to be in your daily life because Christ died on the cross for you. Because once we were all sinners, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Christ still chose to die for us. And in the midst of 2020, it's time to get our hands dirty. It's time to go show people that Christ still loves them. It's time to come together as a church. And it's time to see what Christ can really do when we don't limit the possibilities by only bringing so many jars. Look at that offering bucket that I got. Look at that thing. That's a horse trough. Why do I have a horse trough when nobody carries cash anymore? Because I'm not about to limit the blessing of God. I'm not about to limit what he can do. I'm not just going to bring him this nifty little cup when God wants to give me more than a nifty little cup. Not always finances, but Christ wants to give me more than that. In my life, I won't limit him. I won't limit him to his face. I won't limit him to debt. I won't limit him in my marriage. I will let Christ have all things because I know that God can move in bigger ways than I can ever imagine. If I have faith as small as a mustard seed, I can tell a mountain to jump into the lake and it will jump into the lake. See, I don't want to have faith just as small as a mustard seed. I want to have a basketball because if I have a basketball, who knows how many mountains I can make jump in the lake. You got that person in your life who don't know Jesus? You got that person in your life who's too far gone. You got that person in your life. Then start to pray over them and have faith that God can move in them. We're capped here by our kids' face. Let's start to have faith that God can provide something greater than we've ever imagined. Let's start to be a church who prays together. Let's start to be a church who works together. Let's be a church that we've always been. Who loves God and loves other people. And let's bring to Him our full selves. So that he can fill us up. Church, are you ready to be filled up? It's so sad that there's so few people here today because this is preaching right here. That's why we got you, Facebook Life. Thank you, Lord. Uh, that's why we got, see, I don't even have a voice right now. And I'm not even going to stop right now because I haven't told you the best part. 
We're going to work together. Next week we'll have some great stuff that I'm going to share with you. But in this midst, in this moment, I want you to understand, Jesus has always called you into a relationship with him. No matter who you are, no matter where you're from. <clears throat> some of you here today are having a rough time. I don't know what it looks like. Some of you, I do know what it looks like because you've shared it with me and that's what discipleship is about. Some of you are just in a rough spot. Some of you are trying to put a smile on your face right now, but really in your heart you're just broken. Some of you right now are trying to be present, but you can't be because there's so many things in the back of your mind. Some of you are struggling with depression. Some of you are struggling with anxiety. Christ wants to be a part of that. Some of you are struggling with your singleness. Some of you are struggling with your relationships. Some of you are struggling with your bank accounts. Christ wants to be a part of it. Bring him the jars and let him fill it up. Christ loves you that much that he's always called you since the beginning of time and to his heart because he wants to have a relationship with you. He just doesn't want you calling out his name. He just doesn't want you saying, I know you died for me, but not living it. Christ wants you to enter into a relationship with him. If you're here today and you have a relationship, I'm thankful for that. But if you're not and you need that, I want to talk to you about that. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to do all those things. I just want you to come find me because I want to talk to you. Now, I'm going to pray for you guys in just a moment because, like I said, some of you are struggling. <clears throat> and that's what community is all about, coming together when we have struggles. Danielle Davis, her grandma's passing away right now. She called me at 11 o'clock last night. And Danielle was like, I'm sorry to bother you so late. And I was like, Danielle... Why would you be sorry to bother me? This is what I do. And I said, I love you, so I want to love your issue. And she said, my grandma's dying and it won't let me in to say goodbye. She was like, she's 90 years old. She had a full life, but I need to be able to say goodbye. And so she was like, will you pray? I was, and I started praying. And then she texted me at 3.15 this morning, a.m. <clears throat> and she was like, they just let all the grandkids in to say goodbye. She was like, how good is God? That's what she said to me. I'll read you the text. That's exactly what she said to me. So I want to pray for Danielle in just a moment. Uh, did you pray for Dylan already? So Dylan just went to rehab this week. Praise God, right? Like, how awesome is that? <laughs> Dylan's a good dude. I love Dylan. Okay, Dylan's real. Sometimes Dylan comes to church drunk. Dylan is a good dude. Dylan wants Jesus so bad. Jesus, Dylan wants healing so bad that God provided an opportunity for him in Greenwood. I think it's the same one Israel went to, Faith Home. And so he provided him that opportunity to be there, and Dylan's scared as can be. <laughs> this is how scared Dylan is. Dylan only gets one phone call a week. He asked him if he could call his pastors multiple times a week. And so he gave him Taylor and I's name, and he was like, can I? And they were like, yeah. Dylan's willing to talk to me because he's so scared. Like on the phone. So we're going to pray for Dylan. Maggie, I think, had something going on this morning. We're going to pray for Maggie. We're going to pray for our whole church. And if you're here today and you got something going on, we, we have an even cooler opportunity. We can, we can lay our hands on you right now. So here's what I want you to do. I'm not going to ask you to tell me your issue because that's not a group thing right now. But when the power of Christ comes together and we see a problem, we can conquer it with a solution. And sometimes all that solution is is prayer.